Welcome to the SIP Advisor podcast, brought to you by Imbibe UK, the leading magazine and website for the UK drinks industry. Presented by me, Imbibe editor Robin Black. Me, deputy editor Millie Millican. And me, news editor Jacopo Mazzeo. In this episode, we are mourning some high-profile bar and restaurant closures, fuming over the no-shows proving catastrophic for restaurants, pubs and bars, and taking some time out to remind you of the importance of your mental health and well-being and where you can access help. And this week, we are enjoying some top-notch tequila as we chat, as it's National Tequila Day today when we're recording, so bottoms up. I've actually got mine in a Paloma. How's everyone else drinking theirs? Mine's in a watermelon margarita, Ovs, uh, which seem to really be doing the rounds at the moment, not that I'm complaining. Uh, the one from Elliot's in Borough Market um, is particularly potent, so I'd definitely suggest heading down there to grab one. Instead, I quite like a Reposado tequila, actually. So I'm using it in a Oaxacan old-fashioned, which is simply a twist on a classic old-fashioned. I make it with Reposado tequila, of course, a bit of mezcal, agave nectar, and Angostura bitters. Wow, my, my Paloma sounds really pedestrian now, but I'm enjoying it anyway. <laughs> and the big news we're starting with this week that I wanted to talk about was the touted closure of milk and honey in London which makes you really sad. Um, yeah, there have been too. some big chain casualties of the pandemic, but this one's really brought it home for me. It's been around since like the early 2000s, and I've got really fond, vivid memories of being there way back when, when it was one of the few places you could get really great cocktails. Um, and I don't think we can under, underestimate how influential it's been on the UK cocktail scene. So when its owner is saying it's got to close, it really feels like the end of an era. Um, and when that's been brought about by landlords rather than being a failing business, and you can read the full story on imbibe.com, which we wrote, but essentially Jonathan Downey, who owns it, is saying that despite them paying over four million pounds in rent since they opened, the landlord is refusing to negotiate any rent reduction or, or rent-free period. I appreciate that landlords have got business and they've got bills to pay as well, but at a time like this, it does seem like sort of, atmosphere of compromise would be better placed really to keep keep as many businesses not just in hospitality but in any industry just going as much as possible yeah absolutely and unfortunately milk and honey isn't an isolated case we have seen a number of venues closing for good or announcing closure over the past few weeks and in fact i think that the full extent of the issue will be clear later on perhaps around september october the Rickstein Group had to shut two of its sites, one in Wiltshire and one in Cornwall. And Lunia, the Spanish restaurant group, has also had to close its Manchester site. Um, other casualties include Sardine, Indian Accent and the Loyal Tavern in London. And countless other restaurants, bars and pubs have been closing throughout the duration of the lockdown, unfortunately. The casual dining sector has also been affected. It was already struggling before the pandemic, but COVID-19 has just made things worse. A number of closures have been announced across the restaurant group, which owns the Tex-Mex Chiquito chain and Wagamama, and Azuri group, which owns Ask Italian and Zizi. God, that's some list, isn't it? Just those you've just cited there, which won't be everything. It's such a long list of well-known names. Yeah, and I'm afraid that we're going to see more in the next few weeks uh, because a lot of these closures are obviously due to the challenges of working at a much reduced capacity with all the social distancing measures in place. But 
as in the case of milk and honey, and especially for independent businesses, one very crucial issue is fixed costs, which can be pretty steep, especially for venues that operate in some of the most expensive streets in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that I've been thinking about quite a lot uh, are the people who have lost their jobs when these venues close, the thousands of workers who are without work. And this has had a real knock-on effect um, for the job market when it comes to the hospitality sector. Obviously, as venues close, jobs are lost, and those that are looking for work have a really small pool of vacancies across the UK to choose from. Um, I mean, I think perhaps the most shocking case of this that we've heard of recently is where nearly 500 people applied for just two job vacancies at a London pub this month in July. Um, the Evening Standard reported on what happened at the Alexandra in Wimbledon, where 484 people applied for two £9 an hour jobs at the pub. Um, the landlord reportedly gets around 12 applications when he advertises job openings. And what's also really interesting is that the job history of the people applying hasn't necessarily been in hospitality. So the sector is seeing huge interest from people who have previously worked in other industries and are looking for work post lockdown. I suppose on the upside, I was speaking to a well-known pub landlord about this the other day, and he was saying that an upside for him had been that chefs are now really easy to get hold of, which has never been That's the right. case. Yeah. Yeah, I found the same problem when I was working as a sommelier. Finding stuff was always a struggle. And I'm, I'm afraid now we are seeing the opposite happening. I think as well, um, something that was brought up in the in by, uh, live online uh, event that we held was that because the hospitality industry has been in the limelight so much over the last three or four months, I think people who never saw it as a job option before, maybe looking at it with a completely different set of eyes now and looking at how creative the industry has been and maybe wanting to have a small piece of that pie. So perhaps that, along with obviously Rishi Sunak's um, job retention bonus, rewarding employers who bring back fellow staff, that might hopefully see some positive effects on the industry. But I mean, that's yet to be seen. But for anyone who is listening, who is looking for work, we have a constantly updated rolling news story on latest job vacancies on imbibe.com. So do go and check that out. Yeah, I mean, I think the government have done a lot of good things. That £1,000 bonus, I'm not sure about, but I mean... Time will tell, I guess. And the other factor in whether businesses will survive, of course, is making sure people turn up when they book. And there's been lots of attention around the huge number of no-shows that are still happening at the moment, which just seems unthinkable um, because, you know, hospitality just can't absorb that at the moment. And Jacopo's been finding out more. No-shows is a habit that the restaurant industry has been critical about long before the pandemic, but it has recently become a matter of life or death for businesses as restaurants struggle to survive the devastating effects of COVID-19. To explore how the no-shows issue can be tackled, we caught up with two industry professionals who suggested contrasting solutions. First up is Abby Dunn of hospitality recruitment business 68 people. Abby has recently launched the No More No Shows campaign, an initiative that aims to create awareness around the no-show issue among consumers. You can find more information on the campaign on imbibe.com, but here's what Abby had to say when we talked to her. Hi Abby, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us about your No More No Shows campaign. Can you tell me how has this initiative come about and why you've decided to get actively involved in campaigning against no-shows? 
Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so uh, a friend of mine, um, Antonia Lalamon from, um, uh, from Gusto Restaurants, she tweeted uh, after their opening weekend um, about the number of no-shows. Um, and I suppose I was just really saddened by it. You know, as, as somebody who owns a hospitality business, um, I know what everybody has gone through over the last three months. And then, you know, you you think then about what's happened, you know, physically to the team of staff during that reopening process. You know, there's a glimmer of hope and kind of excitement and the amount of effort that, that goes into it. And then to have that disappointment again, um, you know, it's heartbreaking. So I approached Antonia and said, you know, if we should do something and kind of met up for a uh, for a cup of tea. And uh, on the first day that we could go into a pub, actually, met, met for a cup of tea and said, um, you know, what can we do? And started kind of making notes and sketching things and we said right well if we can get 100 people in Manchester in the city centre to share this um, you know then we'll be chuffed with that and then you know the, the, the rest is history really it didn't, didn't quite work out like that. And what are the main points of this campaign what do you what do you think the venue should do to overcome the issue and what people should do? When we started kind of I put um some posts out there about the issue and kind of started to do a bit of research on it and of course you know what you get overloaded with is, is people talking about deposits and uh, you know not, not to labor the point but yeah of, of course you know we understand that deposits are going to play a role in this but I think it's important to say that deposits aren't necessarily right for every operator for you know a blanket approach maybe it might even be regional as well you know where, where people might not be as okay with paying deposits so you know we we knew that to a certain extent, deposits could deter from booking in some instances. Not everybody has the technology or, or the admin to support it. And actually, from talking to people, if you do end up taking money off a card from somebody who hasn't turned up, you've got a lot of kickoffs going on. And, you know, that's, again, not what you want currently. So we really wanted to do something from a customer behavior angle. And so, uh, you know, actually, maybe that's the way to tackle it. And, and in, in the beginning, we, we you know, we, we did get some kickback on that. But um, luckily, it's worked out. So we wanted to customers to understand the amount of effort, the um, the love, the heart, the soul that goes into service, that goes into, you know, the, these operations, both big operators and small independents. And, and actually, um, you know, raising awareness so that people just stop doing it. Uh, you know, if you book somewhere, go. And if you, you know, let's get out of this habit of booking three places and edging your bet, you know, or, or if you need to change your plans, you just cancel. I think the British public seems to have an issue with this cancellation, you know, if it's an embarrassment, I don't know. But actually what we're trying to raise awareness of is we, we want to know that you're not coming if, if that's the case. The, the more time, the better, because we can, you know, restaurants can refill, backfill those tables. Um, and, you know, if you do know show, there's not that walk-in trade at the moment. So, it, you know, it's a really serious issue. And, and so many businesses are literally on the edge that this just can't happen. Absolutely. So you, what you're saying basically is that you're uh, actually looking to uh, change the change people's mindset. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we were. I suppose I realised that with my business had a lot of connections within the industry, but but you know it's, it's not. I, I don't know enough about tech, the tech side of taking deposits and all that to kind of get embroiled in that. But what we do know about is what we did know about is is customer behaviour, and you know I, I also know 
from press recently this is not just hospitality although i know this is campaign hospitality focused but you know it's happening in the beauty industry it's happening in in all sorts of different industries that actually people are just not cancelling and and yeah something needs to change and what's the what's the response been so far from restaurants from the general public and the media well shocking amazing you know literally we did a a thunderclap movement so on spent the run up you know we only met up for this cup of tea last week so we spent the the run up over the week obviously putting the artwork together um you know working out what we do copying pasting emails to try and get to tell people about the campaign but we launched it in in manchester in a thunderclap response so asked everybody that we knew ready for 10 a.m. on Thursday morning. Let's get big impact. Let's get this image out there. And Antonio and I were, were sat there and um, you actually get quite emotional about it because you start to see people doing what you've asked them to do. And, you know, there are more people and more people and it snowballed. And then, you know, it, it was amazing. And it's a true, true kind of, you know, it, that's hospitality. Everybody's so passionate about it. Everyone wants it to succeed that's in it, that's around it, that, you know, is touched by it. And we were totally blown away. Yeah, we, even now, I feel quite emotionally, it's only yesterday, but we, I just remember that feeling when people started sharing it. It's, it's amazing. And, I mean, this campaign started obviously in Manchester, but do you think there is potential now to bring it to, to a national level? Yeah, 100%. You know, it did start across Greater Manchester, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of companies you know have sites that, that um you know across the uk and then from we, we actually got yesterday some news that it would go across 450 billboards across greater manchester and london and then i think once you hit you know some would say just london but i'm going to say both london and greater manchester then you, then you've got it starts to then snowball everywhere else the beauty of it is there's there's nothing on there that, that, that regionalizes it or, or you know everybody can be involved in that and to a certain extent even people outside of hospitality it's, it's about people not showing up for a point for bookings or appointments okay uh, thanks very much for your time abby and, and- best of luck with the with the campaign thank you so much for having me appreciate it next up is tommy banks chef director at michelin star restaurant the black swan and at roots york hi tommy thanks very much for your time yeah, no problem thank you for having me what's your own personal experience of no shows have they ever been an issue for you um, yeah, going back um, several years, um, certainly they were, but I mean, we made a decision at the Black Swan, I think probably four years ago now, uh, we were one of the first in the UK to do it, to go um, totally sort of ticketed. So the Black Swan, you pay the whole amount up front, so we have no problem at all with no shows. And I really sort of hope that is the future of certainly high-end hospitality. But uh, yeah, I thought more people would get on it, but I suppose it's quite a it's quite a brave thing to do to put sort of deposits or tickets in place for your restaurant. Yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, what's been the reaction from from your guests? Well, we've we've done, we've done it for a while now. I guess, I guess initially there was there is people who don't want to pay pay up front, you know, and so we probably lost some some business in that. But I think the business that you safeguard by by charging those ticket prices gives you a lot more security as a business. I think, and then with Roots, it's. Uh, not quite uh, it's a bit more casual we, we do a 25 pound deposit and we don't really have much trouble with that i think you know people who are 
genuinely going to come out for the meal. They're going to spend more than £25. You know, they're happy to pay the deposit. It just gives us the security, though, because going back before that, we used to have real problems where you'd have a Saturday night and you'd lose sort of 10 customers and, you know, on a small restaurant like ours, it, that's the difference between breaking even and making a loss. I think things are difficult in hospitality because we're all operating with reduced capacities because of the social distancing and and that and that means that really every seat in the restaurant really counts you know i'm just finished lunch service at roots now and you know on a saturday night we'd have been doing 100 covers and now we're doing about 52 54 so it's almost half the capacity so really i cannot it's a difficult business plan as it is without you know having 54 booked and 10 not turning up people no show like they are doing it really has an impact on people's livelihoods and I think we'll be seeing a lot of uh, redundancies in the industry in the next few months. It's probably quite likely and, and things like that just really isn't helping. So I, I think really it's for the for people to understand the responsibility they take on when they make a booking in a, in a restaurant and understand the consequences of if people do no show, it can really impact on people's livelihoods. Do people ever criticize the idea of taking deposits or charging people for for not coming in? Does that clash with somehow with the idea of hospitality, you know, or perhaps perhaps it's a solution that works for one kind of restaurant, but does not work for another? Yeah, I, I definitely hear that in terms of the more casual restaurant, it probably wouldn't suit to, to charge deposits or work because they rely on sort of walkings and, and that's fine. In, in terms of a negative response from other people I've spoken to about it generally people say to me I wish we did it but we just don't dare usually is what I is what I hear I, I think if you turn around to all restaurant owners in the UK and said yeah it's, it's all cool for you to put a deposit on everything it's fine put a deposit everyone would do it but they're all scared of the of the backlash I think is it a contradiction to hospitality I really don't think so uh, I would I would almost call it the other way around it's a liberty the other way around I think in in terms of hospitality we pride ourselves on that but i don't really think that's got anything to do with paying up front to secure your table if you look at any other industry service industry that's comparable maybe it's a, a sports event or it's a it's a concert you know you you go to a beyonce concert you've got to pay for it up front uh and hey if you can't make it then beyonce ain't going to give you your money back like you know if you get a train ticket and you miss the train by five minutes it's not the train company's problem but with restaurants we're supposed to take bookings but not charge anything and then if you don't turn up we're supposed to to um swallow the losses it doesn't it just doesn't add up at all it's a broken system which you know should have been changed a long time ago i think do you think that for a restaurant that you know has been operating for say for instance 10 years and has a very established clientele is it doable for that restaurant to start charging people or taking deposits or or is it something that instead you have to do early on when you you know you start the business or nearer to when you start the business to make sure that your clientele understands yeah i i do see your point and i mean well we did exactly that we've been open for 10 years and then we put this in place uh we've had it in place for the last four years and i'm not saying it's an easy decision to make i'm not saying there isn't a backlash but i think it's simple business. I think you need to look at their business plan and think, right, how much money has no-shows cost us? And you can work it out. And, and and if you think the number, I guess it's a simple business decision. If you think, right, do you know, if we start charging people and we've got all these regular customers, some of them, their nose might be out of joint. Um, maybe we'll lose some of them. I think you've got to do a sum and work out which is 
more valuable to you as a business to, to guarantee your covers or to not upset the people uh, who you've regularly got. But if you have people who are willing to book a table with you and not turn up, they're not really the type of guests you want to have. Um, but second to that, I think really if you've got a hardcore following as a as a restaurant of people who really enjoy coming to see you, I think if you go about it in the right way, people will understand decisions that you've made and want to support you. I've seen a lot in recent times. We've we've been so lucky to be so well supported. I think a lot of people out there realise how starkly affected um, the hospitality industry has been and, and they're sort of much more empathetic towards our plight at the moment. I, I think, you know, if you're going to go make, you're going to take that plunge and, and go fully ticketed or at least a deposit, I would suggest, you know, an open letter to the guests explaining exactly why. And I think if people understand uh, the impact of the no-shows on your business, then it doesn't take a lot of empathy to to try and support you by by you know paying it up front. Okay, thanks very much, Tommy. Great to talk to you. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you very much to Tommy Banks for talking to us about that hot topic as the guys at Roots and the Black Swan start to reopen. Speaking of reopening as staff are getting back to work over the coming weeks there will no doubt be plenty of anxiety and uncertainty around with new procedures nervous customers and the anxiety of returning to a lifestyle that has been on hold for practically four months there will also be hospitality workers who find themselves without work either having been let go or still on furlough with absolutely no sign of when they might get back behind the bar so we thought it would be helpful in this episode to signpost some of the wonderful charities and organisations that are dedicated to the hospitality industry. One which I'm sure most of you have heard of is the Drinks Trust, which used to be the Benevolent. There is a huge amount of content on its website around well-being, talking therapy, sleep and mindful drinking, as well as free helplines for people to use. At the beginning of COVID-19, the Drinks Trust launched a campaign to support members of the hospitality industry through these difficult times and raise money to help deliver that support. Funds raised were spent on increasing the capacity of the charity's helpline, as well as the amount of free therapy services for people suffering from anxiety amid this time of great uncertainty. It's also focusing on supplying guidelines to individuals as opposed to businesses, delivering information to keep people informed of all of their options. HR specialist Tracy Jones is working with the Trust to help answer any questions that member of the hospitality industry may have. And we spoke to CEO Ross Carter during our Imbibe Live online series. So if you want any further information, head to our Instagram TV channel at Imbibe UK. Another charity that I really wanted to focus on is Kelly's Cause Foundation. Kelly was a young chef who took her life at the young age of 23 and founder of Kelly's Cause Foundation, Toby Anna, has set it up in honour of her legacy and the foundation does some fantastic work on mental health in the industry, aiming to create healthy spaces in hospitality. There's a helpline that workers can use to find out where they can get help, a downloadable mental health check-in form, as well as three mental health first aid courses that the team at Kelly's Cause are trained instructors in. All you have to do is head to the website and register. Healthy Hospo, which is spearheaded by ex-DRGO brand ambassador Tim Etherington-Judge, aimed to make hospitality healthier, happier and more sustainable. Healthy Hospital provides online education on both the website and on social media, events and workshops, and works with hospitality outlets to make them healthier spaces for workers. 
There are plenty of online articles on wellness, nutrition and mental health on the website. And if you've ever heard Tim speak, his passion and commitment for change is really impressive and admirable. For just £10, you can become a member and get access to exclusive video content, guides, discounts from Healthy Hospice partners and free entry to events and workshops. These guys partner with loads of industry brands to bring one-on-one -on -one support, so definitely check them out. Like the Drinks Trust, Hospitality Action has been really active during COVID-19 to get people the help they need to stay safe and well during the last four months and beyond. As part of this, their wellbeing channel is hugely varied, not only dealing with hospitality-related issues such as finding a new job, returning to work and financial health, but also addressing topics such as domestic abuse, adapting to being at home, addiction, anger and virus anxiety, among others. Again, you can find a helpline on their website and get free access to wellbeing content on demand. And for our Scottish friends, a charity that's definitely worth a shout out is The Ben. The Ben has free mental health helplines with trained advisors giving free consultations. They also deal with housing for hospitality staff and other options as well for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I hope you found all of those suggestions helpful and please do keep an eye on imbibe.com as we continue to cover these fantastic organisations that help our hospitality industry get through the toughest challenge it's had in recent decades. Look after yourself guys and we will see you very soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SIP Advisor podcast, brought to you by Imbibe UK, the leading magazine and website for the UK drinks industry. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and help your colleagues and friends discover the show by sharing and writing a review. You'll find more relevant content on our website at imbibe.com, where you can also sign up for a free copy of our quarterly print magazine and weekly newsletter. And please follow us on social media at Imbibe UK. And if you wish to get in touch, send us some feedback, comments or ideas, you can reach us on podcast at imbibe.com.